maybe, but spiritually, and God reached over and delivered us. Genesis chapter 18, we do have notes, and uh, I have chosen to preach this message on purpose. Raising our children to live, raising our children to live, Genesis 18, watch this, what a word, praise God. Genesis 18, go to verse 18. If you're all there, say amen. Amen. Verses 18 and 19. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Wow, 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 wow. Jesus, come on, lift your voice. Jesus, come. Move in power tonight. Lord, I believe that this message has some tremendous insight, even revelation for us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd release your power in even a greater way that you've already been doing. Lord, we could go home. Wow. What a feast you've laid before us of baptisms, of worship, offerings, testimonies. Lord God, the dedication, Lord, you are so great. The Lord, as your word comes forth, I pray that you would bring an anointing. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' holy name. And all of God's people said... Amen. Now we do have notes for you. If you don't have those, you may be seated. If you don't have those, slip your hand up. One of our ushers will bring that to you. On July 1st, 1996, my wife and I had our first child. I had lost a family previous because of sin. I didn't know Christ. I really abandoned them. I was a wretched man. Oh, wretched man. I was definitely a wretched man. I sing Amazing Grace. Man, I tell you what. I was blind. I was bound. I was broken. Jesus reached over, set me free, and gave me a brand new life. I'd lost a family previous, two daughters that I still don't get to see. And in the restoration process... The Lord brought me my first daughter in my new life on my birthday. It's my birthday also, July 1st, coming up. And our our daughter, Hannah, was born on July 1st. And it's interesting, when you become a parent, you know, you think you know what's up. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You had your first child. I mean, you're like, yeah, you know, diapers, we can do this thing. You know, we were kids before, we remember, you know. You feel like you're perhaps ready. Mostly that's the case. You've got it figured out that you know how to be a parent. Shock, shock. Usually we try to pass on things that have been passed on to us. It's good. How many of you know you want to pass on the good stuff? You want to cut out the bad stuff. I mean, not everybody had a perfect childhood. And if you did have a perfect one, you know, you're probably deceived. Maybe you had a great childhood, praise God, but there's things that happen along the way that's you know, challenging. And, and that's all part of our growth process. And sometimes we didn't have the greatest parents, perhaps. 
So we try to pass on to our kids that which is a blessing. I want to talk about raising children to live. Raising children to live. Child raising is, a, is an important part of covenant. What I mean by that is when you've given your heart to Jesus and you're walking with Him, child raising is critical to your walk with God. It's critical for your life. Many of you have children. Some of you don't. Some of you will soon. Some of you are believing to have children. Raising children is important. And when I think in Scripture about examples of raising children, there's two examples that come to mind. The first one is, well, let me, let me go on to say the positive thing first. When you read through First and Second Kings, or you read through how uh, in First and Second Chronicles also, you see a king that was wicked, and yet his son turns out to be a man of God. You know how that happened? His mama, I'm telling you, his mama passed it on. Come on, all you mama said amen. And so praise God for, praise God for impartation and a multi-generational move of God. I was telling the, I was telling the deans and there's, there's the halls and some different families. You've got multi-generations here. It's such a blessing for me because that's what I'm going to have. My kid, my, my kids are ta- talking to me, Dad, can I be on your staff? They said that to this week. Absolutely. Praise God. We'll raise you up. We'll change the world. Amen. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm believing for. Of course, if they want to become doctors and go to the far-flung corners of the world, if that's the will of God, you do that. Amen. I'm not going to hold you back. I'm just going to fulfill the will of God. And that's every parent's heart. Right? When I think in Scripture about parents and children, I think about David and his tremendous failure. David is the only one in Scripture called the sweet psalmist of Israel, and how he would sing to the Lord. He wrote a good portion of the Psalms. He was a tremendous, the anointed, worshiping warrior, David. But he had one great failure, and that was the failure of Bathsheba. And we preached on it just recently. And in the failure of Bathsheba, really hammered his family. It brought a curse on his family. Curse on his children. It really never lifted. It went on even to Solomon. And I think also about Eli. Eli was the high priest in 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 is the story of, in, in 1, 1 Samuel chapter 2 is the story of how he neglected his children. In fact, it says he failed to restrain them. Now, 1 Samuel was, uh, pardon me, Eli, the high priest, was a great man of God. But he failed to restrain his children. Interesting. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that the scripture says. You see, he was a man of God and he was serving the Lord diligently, but he had these two kids that he would not restrain. And because he would not restrain them, they got into adultery, they stole from the Lord's offering, they defiled people, they slept with prostitutes, they did all kinds of stuff. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And as a result of that, his whole line, his family line, was wiped out. God judged them. They both died on the same day. His sons died, Hophni and Phinehas, at war. The ark of God was captured that day. One of his one of the children that named was named Ichabod, which means the glory departed. And when, when Eli heard this bad news, he fell over and broke his neck. Scripture says broke his neck because he was fat. Hallelujah. Don't you love how Scripture says it? I thank God for my children. I thank God for all four of them, two of which I get to sow into. Two I'll catch up later, as God allows me to. Let's look at the text here tonight. 
And it is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. What it says, first of all, let's look at the text. You there with me? Fill your notes in. What it says, the context of these, these verses 18 and 19 here in Genesis 18, the context is that the Lord is about to tell Abraham the impending judgment, fill in the blank, the impending judgment coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he declares Abraham's future to him. He says, you're going to make you a great nation. He goes on to tell him what his, his future is. And, and God uses covenant language to describe his relationship with him. God, look at four, God chose Abraham for a purpose. Come on, say that with me. God chose Abraham for a, for a purpose. Wow. You all there, look with me. Chapter 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. How? Through him. For I have chosen him. Now this goes for you and your family too. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't choose people. He chooses families. And when you look, the, the blessing comes. I'm going to tell you, I've been in this church for a while, even before I was pastoring. Every family, I cannot think of one. Not one. I think back of all the years I've been a part of this, every person that came in, listen to some of you, the only saved person, but it won't stay that way. Every person that's ever come into the house, committed, tithed, got involved, put their hand to the plow, did not look back, God saves their whole family. Some on their deathbed, some not for 20 years later, but every one of them bow the knee before the Lord. I've, I haven't seen one exception yet, and the ones that are still exceptions, well, the testimony's not over yet. says, for I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Abraham was chosen for, chosen for a purpose. What's the purpose? To bless the nations of the earth. And I will tell you, you're chosen for a purpose. And generally speaking, it is absolutely to bless the nations of the earth. Verse ver, number four, 4a, so that he will direct his children, write it in the blank, so that he will do what? Direct his children and the household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. In other words, he's saying you must direct your children for a purpose. What purpose? To touch the nations of the earth. Listen to me. This is more than just about getting pregnant and being happy that you have kids. It's about raising children that are moving forward in the purpose of God, which is to bless the nations of the earth. And whether they're Baptists or whether they're Pentecostals, who gives a fig? It does not matter. If they get in line with the purpose of God, that's what matters. And if they start serving God, whether they go to your church when they grow up or not, that matters not. What matters is that they get a line and direct it. Your job as parents is to direct our children in that. And it happens from when they're in their womb. That's when it starts. Before that, if you're, if you're not carrying and you're believing to carry a baby, you start praying for the child that God wants to send to your home. And when that baby's in there, you... You know, somebody said, man, Hannah, you have straight teeth. How'd that happen? And she answered rightly. She said, my parents prayed for my teeth to be straight. You better believe it. We prayed for good eyes. <laughs> we prayed for straight teeth. We prayed for every toenail, fingernail, every fingerprint, perfect body proportion, every... Ah, God! We prayed for the whole thing. Every night. 
Every night, I'd lay hands on my wife's belly and sing. And I'd kid you not, they'd sing back to me. They'd just move and worship all in all that fluid moving around. Hallelujah! So, look at me. So that the Lord would bring about for Abraham what He promised. Literally, God was saying, I've chosen Abraham and his family to bless the nations of the earth. Through them. Through them I will bless the nations. And He's going to, and you're to direct His, you're to direct your children, Abraham, so that, listen, so that your promise can be brought about. Hold the phone. Let me tell you now that your promise is more than about your promise. Your promise is multi-generational. Your promise goes beyond your own life. And it goes literally into the generations that should follow after. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. God will, God will bring out, turn around what the enemy's meant for bad. He'll turn for good. He'll give you beauty for ashes. You might have messed up or whatever at this point. But God wants to now tell you this service that there's going to come upon you an anointing and you've got to take that thing and direct your kids. If you think your kids are going to follow God and be all encouraged just because you say Jesus, you've got to wake up and smell the coffee, Jethro. Oh, they're just going to serve God. No, they're not. Not necessarily unless you direct them. Your promises are multi-generational. I want you to say that. My promises are multi-generational. You and your children. And your children's children. And your children's children's children. And your children's children down to a thousand generations. The blessings of God. You say, well, Jesus is coming back in this lifetime. Well, you hope so, and so do I. Maybe. But we don't know. He could come back tonight. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. But you plan like He's not coming in your lifetime. He's not coming in the next hundred years. You plan that you leave an inheritance to your children's children. You live like that. Understand here and now that the task of a parent is to see our children live. And what I mean by live, raising our children to live, I mean the real definition, Zoe life. I mean real life. Not breathe and eat. Watch TV, go to work, come home, go to sleep, wake up, eat, have coffee, Starbucks, go to work, work hard, collect a paycheck, come back, buy a new toy, eat dinner, watch some TV, go to sleep, wake up, eat, drink Starbucks, have breakfast, go to work. There's more than life than having Starbucks... I know some of you are surprised at that. Having Starbucks, going to work, watching TV, going to sleep, get up, have Starbucks, go to work, watch TV, go to sleep. There's more to life. That's not life. There is life and, and life abundant. And He has it for you. He has it for me. You need to understand that, that teaching your kids to have the real life. I will tell you, we had some examples of it tonight. Heading some examples of Yuvina testifying about... Man, she rode in a plane and, and did all these things that God is just blessing and blessing her, blessing her, blessing her, blessing her job, blessing her home, blessing her life. Other testimonies in our leadership about how God came through totally, totally hurting. No money. A month behind in their bills. Began to declare tithers' rights. Begin to stand on the Word of God. 
begin to come in agreement with his wife and the husband and the wife of the husband, break off fear, begin to declare what God's going to do, and God put $160,000 on their books and they're out of it. God blasted them out, man, in one day. One, one day. I feel like preaching a little bit tonight. Well, that's great, Pastor. But the promises of God are able to be lived out through your kids. And are, and you need to think about it that way. And through your children's children, should the Lord tarry in the next generation. That's one of the reasons that Malachi 2 says he, God hates divorce. Alright, what does the text mean to us? Are you there? Look at B. What does the text mean to us? Our, our text as parents is to see our children live in covenant with God. Your job as a parent is to see your kids begin to live in covenant with them. And what I mean by that is it's not religion. Live on fire, a vibrant, on fire walk with God, doing what God wants them to do, which through that obedience will bring forth the blessing to the nations of the earth. God desires to see His purpose be revealed through the next generation. And every generation, listen to me, all you kids... I know some of this might have gone over your head, but listen to me now. Look at Pastor. Son, look at me. Pastor Dad. All you kids, look at me. Listen, y'all listening? All you little ones? Hello. Okay, listening? Everybody say yes, Pastor. All the kids said? That was so weak. All the kids said? It's better, but it's not quite there. All the kids said? No way, won't buy that. I've heard you yell at your brother and sister. You can do better. All the kids said. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, kids, look at me. Look at me. Look. Look. Look, watch. Watch. Ready? Ready? It's your choice to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Mom and dad cannot do it for you. There will come a moment when you need to choose. You need to choose. And your parents by the grace of God, are teaching you that when that moment comes, you'll choose to serve Him. And live in, and have real life, not painful life. Alright, how do we train our children in the ways of the Lord? I am, I am so encouraged. How do we train our children? You say, what good is this? I already raised my kids. Good. Well, maybe you can help out your neighbor. Amen. Maybe you can help your grandkids. How do we train our children in the ways of the Lord? Well, I, the first thing is, I was thinking about this. I thought that the first thing is, we're blessed by help from others. We're blessed by help from others. Now, there is a series of books. There's many great books out there. I think that in 1970s, um, Focus on the Family, James Dobson came out and wrote some tremendous books. Dare to Discipline was one. It's really a seminal work of, of disciplining. And man, he was persecuted for it. You know, you know Dr. Spock? How many of you, some of you are old enough to understand who Dr. Spock is? Do you know Dr. Spock repented just before he died? He said, I'm terribly sorry. I've blown it. Everything I said was wrong. We've raised a generation of jerks. <laughs> We've raised a generation of spoiled brats, I think is the quote. You can go look it up on Google. How would you like to be the parent who followed Dr. Spock? Baby or child-directed parenting. 
Child-directed parenting, watch this, a child-directed parenting is you let the child sort of lead you in hopes that through nurturing him, he's just going to become this great person. Wrong. Why is that? Because we all have a sin nature. I'm going to get there. Been very blessed by, my wife and I have been very blessed by a series called Growing Kids God's Way. It's tremendous. And then in, in, and then in the recent last year, Loving Your Kids on Purpose is a book that's written by Danny Silk. If you're taking notes, write it down. Raising Children God's Way and a book by Danny, Danny Silk called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. Loving Your Kids on Purpose is really a summary bringing, uh, bringing to light another set of teaching tools called Love and Logic. All of those have had a huge impact on us, even though I feel like I'm implementing maybe half. Jesus, help me. So we all need help from others. And those are just some books that we've read. James Dobson, if you have a strong-willed child, you need to get that book, The Strong-Willed Child, by James Dobson. will help you. So we need to learn how to do it. I mean, you know, face it. Mom and Dad did the best they could, but the parenting in the 50s, your kid, they're kids now that don't have to deal. I was just at high school graduation. I have never seen more 12-year-olds pregnant, fully pregnant in my life. Give me a break. They might have been 15, but they look 10. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I've never seen so many. I, it was not like that when I was going to school. No way. they got nursing mother's rooms and everything. And, you know, for the youth that are here and you're hearing me, you might be like, so what's the big deal? That never happened 10 years ago. It wouldn't, didn't happen. There's been a total invasion of, 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 of Jesus, help me, we got little ones. you understand what I'm saying? You've got to learn how to raise your kids. Those are some books, but it's not just that. I think one of the things that's really affected us is personal relationship with people who have healthy kids. Now, I'm going to go ahead and pick on the Haggerty's. Their kids are all serving God. Out of the house and serving God. You say, well, how'd they do that? Well, why don't you ask them? You see, when, when we were raising, I, I mean, look... The report's not in for me and my family yet, but so help me, it's going to be good. Amen, Hannah? Uh-huh. In other words, it's easy to say, oh yeah, do this, this, and this. My kids are uh, ten and seven. And somebody whose kids have walked after the Lord and gone after them, I mean, maybe they, some of them took a turn, but they came back and your whole family's on fire out of the house and you have generations of on fire people. I want to hear from that person. And the truth is that many of you maybe did the right thing or the enemy came in and really wiped. It's a bad devil we serve. We don't serve him. I mean, it's a bad devil. It's a bad devil. It's a bad devil out there. Come on, somebody say it's a bad devil. I hope you're not serving him. And, And, you know, the enemy comes and he brings destruction, even though you might have done all the right things. So I'm not saying that if your kids are astray that you've totally blown it. But let me say this. If you have, repent. And ask God to, to, to help you. Amen? So, as I was saying, for my wife and I, we've seen it modeled. I've seen, I've seen healthy parenting and raising kids modeled all around me. You know, kids don't have to run in and clear off your coffee table. They can be trained so that that does not happen. And I'll tell you, if you have a kid that clears off coffee tables, nobody wants your kid around. Whether they said they do or they not, they don't. 
because they've got little figurines that are from grandma that are on the coffee table. When your kid comes over, they've got to clean everything up, put away all the stuff, put it up so it doesn't get broken. I'm going to tell you, there's another way to do that. Okay, I'm really popular with the crowd tonight. Look at B. We live in a world of great confusion uh, in the area of raising children. So we must be reminded of what God's Word says. I'm glad you you were all hoping I was going to get there. Turn to Proverbs. Oh, Proverbs. Oh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Brace yourself. Train a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not turn from it. Training. Instruction. There's 29 definitions for training in the the dictionary. Training. We are to train our children either through proper action, we, pardon me, we train our children either through proper action or, watch this, pay attention, or neglect. What do you mean by that? I call it choosing by default. My father used to say that to me. Son, don't choose by default. And you know what that, was? You know what that means? You have a choice before you, but if you don't make the choice, you already did. And, and training children, either you're going to do it through proper action and instruction and training, or you won't do it, and as a result, you did it. You didn't, you didn't give them that. You trained them by not training them, and you raised somebody who's not going to be an impact in society. We need to train our kids, not with neglect, but proper. And our children have a fallen human nature. I started to say that. Some of you think that you just need to, you know, tap into their... Just tap their inner beauty. I'm going to tell you something. Kids don't have an inner beauty. Oh, pastor, that's a wicked thing to say. You don't have to teach a kid to say, no! You don't have to teach them that. They come out naturally with it. You know, there is theories that the kid's just a white sheet of paper and he's just going to reflect his environment. I think environment has to do has, has much to play. All of that's important. But the truth is, they have a fallen nature just like you do, and you need to help them out of it. Proverbs 22, verse 16. Great scripture. has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but... He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Amen. has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but great word nonetheless. Look, all of us, you try preparing a message sometime. Hallelujah. All of us are training our kids, and they need training because we have a fallen human nature. We fight against demonic power. Now listen to this. Listen. I'm not going to preach long to you. I'm almost done. Maybe. We, we, we fight against demonic power that like to take advantage of your children. All the kids, all the kids say, yes, Pastor! Way better than before, but not quite 100%. Are you ready? All the kids said, yes, we getting children churchy sunco, huh? You listening? Okay. There's a bad devil out there, and he wants to take advantage of you. 
How many of you know that? Kids, right? But you don't have to be afraid as long as you obey. Everybody say, obey. Okay, disobey mom and dad, set yourself up for trouble. Ephesians says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. All the kids say that with me. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Can you do it again? You ready? One, two, three. All you kids, do it again one more time. One, two, three. Was that tongues? What was that? You all get the idea. Obey mom and dad. Because there's a very real enemy that wants to attack. And I don't want the kids. Kids, you don't have to be afraid. God's on the throne. We have nothing to fear so long as we're living for Him. But that should put the fear of God in you to obey children. A Canaanite woman who came to Jesus said that her daughter was demonized even from a young age. I'm going to tell you, the devil just doesn't pick on grown-ups. He picks on anybody he can. Now, I heard a testimony about, about some video games tonight, but it reminded me of a five-year-old years ago. Do you remember this? I was in, I was in Kula, and this lady came, and I've shared this a while ago, but she said, Pastor... My son's got some problems, and I think maybe you need to uh, help him. Well, what do you mean? Well, I hear other voices. It's not good. It's, it's really bad. I said, let me see your son. Church, actually, the service was over. The kid comes to me. I take one look at him. I, I picked him up. I think it was four or five. Picked him up, brought him into the pulpit. I just felt led to do it. Placed him on my pulpit. Looked him eye to eye. And I said, hi, son. He said, hi. Real cute kid. I said, what's going on? He goes, Digiman's really bad. Okay, I didn't solicit that. This is what the kid said. No, no, he said Pokemon. Pokemon's really bad. I said, oh? Well, I'm not, I don't even know what that was. I'm like, Pokemon? He goes, you're Pokemon. And then he goes, but Digiman. Digiman's really bad. I said, oh, yeah? He's when I... When I watch and play Digiman, Jesus leaves. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I didn't make this up. When I, when I watch Digiman, Jesus leaves. I thought, holy cow. Wow. I wish I recorded it. And so I said, oh, do you, do you watch that a lot? Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, how about not watching it? No, I want to watch it. I thought, oh, we have a little devil. little devil and a four-year-old. Oppressed kid at four years old. I asked the mom to come, had the little kid go play in the corner. I said, hey, mom, tell me about this Digiman thing. What's that? Oh, yeah. I said, what's that? Well, there's this series of videos and stuff that he has, and he's got these trinkets and stuff, and, and he plays with them, and it really, it's, it's really scares him. I'm like, can you, can you, I said, can you please help me understand why, why would you let your son play with things that, that in fact, I said, what he said to me is that when he plays with them, Jesus leaves. She goes, yeah, I know. I'm thinking, okay, I think I'm starting to find the problem. Why would you let your son continue to play with something that, allow, that forces Jesus to leave his life? She said, well, he gets so upset. No kidding! He gets so upset, he freaks out. No, you don't understand the kind of freak out he does. I said, no kidding. You know why he has problems, Mom? Because he's been demonized. 
I said, I don't know what all of that stuff is, but by doing that, you've actually opened the door for the enemy to operate in your little boy's life. Now, how about we close the door? Now, look, I know we have kids here. You need to hear me. I don't care if it, listen, I'm, I might get in trouble, but I don't care. I get in trouble all the time anyway. I don't care. Listen to you kids. I don't care if your mom and dad does let you play that game that scares you. Don't play it. Because you'll end up hurting yourself in the long run. Maybe they don't know better. Maybe you're playing it at somebody's house and mom and dad doesn't know it. I told the mom, here's what you're going to do. And I told in the earshot of the boy, I said, what we're going to do is we're getting rid of Digimon. No, I said, you listen to me, young man. We're getting rid of Digimon. Do you understand? Okay, I said, Mom, you get home, you take all those tapes, you smash them, you get rid of them, you get, you get all of that stuff out of your house. Did she? Oh, no. She didn't. She couldn't. Because of her own hurts and issues on the inside of her, she just wanted to love her little boy. Can I tell you something? Love brings understanding to a kid's backside. Hello? Spare the rod, spoil a child. And if you don't know how to train your kid, training instruction does... Listen, it's, it's been shied away from because there's so much child abuse. There really is, and it's horrible. I'll tell you, my kids are, my kids are disciplined. You know? Danny was having a challenging time yesterday, wanted to be here, couldn't shake it free. Did his best. I said, you want Dad to help you? No. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to help you anyway. See all that wood out there? Put it on the porch. And when as soon as, you're, as soon as you can let it go and your attitudes change, you can stop. That literally could have been one log. You understand that, right? It could have been one. In other words, when you brought the one log up, if all of a sudden you were able to let it go, oh, shake yourself free, the work would have been over. Right? And he understands that. He got trained. You can freak out and cry, but you'll be doing wood. Because you've got to learn to get over disappointment. That's like I said, we make our kids at times, now they're getting really good about salad and green vegetables, but we make our kids at, at times eat green vegetables. And, and, and sometimes that food, they might have liked it last week. You know how it goes. Now it's two weeks later or something. I don't like that. Well, it's time to eat it anyway. Why? Because I don't want my kids smoking dope. If you don't teach your kids to put their flesh down, then you'll raise kids to yield to their emotions, yield to their flesh all of their life. And they'll end up like you or me. If this shoe fits, wear it. Come on, some of you, God had to teach you how to control your emotions. I'm one of them. I was lived by the law of it feels good, I'm doing it. And destroyed my life. And I will not teach my kids that way. And we have a promise from God like Abraham to change nations. And God wants to do it through our kids. But if you don't train them, then you can have a prison ministry. Let's look to the next point. We must love our children. And I see that as two things. We must show them affection and give them our attention. Kids spell love T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. And you can say that you love them, but if you never sit down and play G.I. Joe or Barbie or, or play games and hang out with them and dream with them, then, then that, they don't understand what that is. Love is spelled time. There's, there are cultures that fathers can't express their love. 
particular cultures, and I'm not going to say which ones, but we've seen this especially in Hawaii. The man just cannot, he's strong, he's a provider, he doesn't show any emotion, and he will not express his, his, his love because it's, it's weakness. I've got news for you. If you come from a home where your love was not expressed, you better get over it, sir. You need to show your kids affection. And you need to give them attention. We've seen so many problems over these years of pastoring, and it could have just been... Listen, young, I've seen, I see teenagers that look for boyfriends because they didn't get the kind of affection from a father. That won't happen with my kid because I maul my children. My kids have to push me off. Get off me! You've got to learn to be affectionate with your children. You need to look them in the face and tell them that you love them. You need to tell them that they're the apple of your eye. You need, to, you need to express that. When's the last time you wrote your kids some notes, a little love note, and slipped it in their lunchbox? Try that. Blow their mind. Slip them little notes. Bring them a little gift for nothing. It's no day. It's Wednesday. Bring them a baseball or something. There's no substitute for love and affection. And look at B. We must discipline them. Now, Hebrews 12 says those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. If you're a child of God, you will get disciplined by God. He will discipline you. I'm starting to think that He really enjoys it for me. I've been humbled so many times in the past month. I'm just thinking, hallelujah, prune me again, baby. Bring it, God. Prune me. Why? Because I've found that if I if I've allow for the discipline and the training to work, I become stronger in God, more anointed, more able to do what He's called me to do. Come on. Some of you hate discipline. Scripture says, Proverbs, he who hates discipline is stupid. 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 Don't hate discipline. Like it. Spank me again, God. Yeah. Now that might be a little strange. Okay. The Bible recommends corporal punishment. Oh, I've got to hurry. And like I said, it's not popular. Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 13.24. All of you scripture writers. Here we go. Proverbs 22.15. Proverbs 13:24. Proverbs 23:13 and 14. Proverbs 29:15. Proverbs 29:17. You say, "Well, I can't I can't do that. I can I'm, I can't spank my kids." That's child abuse. Okay, watch this. Jesus help me pick my words. That's like saying, these are the moments where I really need God to give me grace right now. That's like saying that disciplining your kids in love is the same, is the same thing as child abuse. Is like saying that the loving embrace of a husband and wife is the same thing as, I've got kids. You got the picture? Is it the same thing? It is absolutely not the same thing. There is loving embrace. It's righteous. It's pure. 
It's holy. And there is the other thing. Is it the same act? Yes. But no, it's not. There is child abuse. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving correction. Loving correction. Consequences for actions. And if you, if you, I, I highly suggest you don't do the one, two, three principle. Because God won't do that with you, baby. Wait. One. Get, get down. Out of the cookie jar. Two. Two and a half. One. You know, and then you recount. Two, two and three quarters. God doesn't do that with you. Uh-uh. Don't touch. Touch? Whack! In love. So there really is a difference. It's the nature in which you do it. Not in anger. Everybody say, not in anger. If you're angry, take a break. Don't do it. You cannot do it in anger. You can't, you can't, don't, don't try to control your kids with anger. Don't try to manipulate them. Anytime you introduce anger and fear into your relationship, then what you've done is you've introduced a demonic. Oh, the phone. Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't use anger and manipulation to get you to obey Him. He uses love. And He uses consequences. He's not angry about it. He loves you. But if you blow it, you're going to get the consequences. Finger, pencil sharpener. Finger, pencil sharpener. Ah! Right? So if you do the wrong thing, guess what? You get consequences. That's how God trains us. I don't know about you, but Jack, I had some consequences I'd like to trade in. Secondly, we must teach our kids to obey. I'm almost done. Ephesians 6.1. It's about obeying your parents. We already said that. There's another scripture. Colossians 3.20. Colossians 6.4. Oh, that's important. Look at three. Don't exasperate your child or embitter them. How do I prevent that from happening? Well, I think you prevent that from happening by being consistent. Be consistent. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. Keep the standard. Don't change it. And you keep it yourself. You need to express love and you need to play with your children. You need to, you need to play with them, but you need to also give them consequences and there's a difference between willful disobedience and childhood limitations. The father that says, hey, you pick up my suitcase and you bring it into my back room right now. Suitcase, 100 pounds, kid's 7 years old. Okay, 7 year old can't pick up 100 pounds and you're asking him to take something in that he can't do. You ask kids to do something that they have a limitation and they're not able to do it and then discipline for it, you're a fool. Don't do that. And the other thing is, if you ask your kids, I was convicted of this as I was preparing. You ask your children to do something because you don't want to do it? <laughs> Man, my kids are like my little gophers, you know. No, I mean in a good way. You know, Dad, go get me a tool and that can be good. Go get me a wrench. They find them twice as fast as I can. My point is, if you constantly do that and you don't do the work, you don't help them take out the trash. There has, to be, there has to be a willingness to do. 
Look, if, if you're never cleaning up the dog mess and you make them do it all the time, you'll make your kid embittered. They won't like it. And they won't like you for it. Because it's a nasty job. And if they're always the one that has to do the stinky thing because you don't want to, then you're going to embitter your kid. And that's good preaching right there. By the way, I cleaned up the dog mess just last night to remind you, praise the Lord, you're next. Your dog, you get to clean it up next time. Hallelujah. I need to wrap this message up. There's, this is really just only an overview. But God has called us to change nations and to direct our children so that the fulfillment of the promise for us can be brought through them. Are you getting anything from God? Okay, you've got to overcome your own selfishness and repent. Overcome your own selfishness and repent. D, you must be in agreement. Micah, are you somewhere? Would you come? You must be in what? I will tell you, great damage has been done in to children who have a father who wants to train and instruct a certain way and a mom who just wants to cover that kid with their skirts and protect them. And that lack of agreement, man, kids will, kids will work that, manipulate that, and you'll raise a confused child. You, you know, you might not be in agreement in that moment, but that's when you say, you say, babe, let's go in the back room. You go in the back room, you hash it out. When you come out, you come out as a united front, no matter what. You agree. You don't let division get in your house. You be in agreement. And don't talk about your pastor in the car on the way home. Don't talk about people. Stop. Did you see how short that dress was that she was wearing? What a hussy. Don't do that. You know you wore worse before you got saved. Give her a break. Everybody say be in agreement. And that's in prayer. And that's over a kid's destiny. We pray over our kids every night, declare, prophesy. I don't say that we prophesy every night, but we're praying for things that, that have been prophesied. We're making declarations, just like Brother Haggerty was saying. Come on, everybody say, be in agreement. And if there's no agreement, you get some counseling, you get some training, and you work it out, baby. Get an agreement, because if you don't, you'll destroy your kids. Okay, almost done. We emphasize live in li- living life in covenant with God. Emphasize that. Teach them. Pray. Number one, pray. How do you do that? Have a lifestyle of prayer in your home. Two, model what it is to be a Christian. When the bill collector calls, don't tell your kid to answer the phone and tell him you're not home. Why? Because they're lying for you. You're teaching them to lie. Um, um, I'm not here. Not here. 1888. I'm not here. Um, uh, 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 my dad's not here. Great, he's just sinning for you. You'll be judged for that. Watch out. Lastly, provide opportunities for children to grow in God. Now let me say this. Can you go get me a registration, please? We have some camps that are upcoming. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me specifically about my kid. But then as I began to prepare this message and go over it, it the, the, the word that the Lord gave me for my own children expanded. I will tell you what what the Lord told me personally, and then I'll tell you the expansion of it. The Lord told me that God is going to visit my daughter at the camp. 
going to come upon her and she's going to, she's going to hear His voice in a new way and there's going to come a calling upon you. And I don't know all of that means. And on the expanded version of that is that I believe that if, you, if we send our kids to these camps, how many of you went to kids' camp? How many of you got touched by God at kids' camp? You come up here right now and testify. Tom, you've got a great testimony about that, right? That's when you first gave your heart to the Lord years ago. And, and God planted that seed and kept you through some hard times. And now look at you now, all on fire. What would we do without camp? Right? You need to send your kids to camp. How much is it? $1,000. Is that enough? Well, you'll pay, you'll pay for a four-wheeler. I, I, I'm, I'm preaching a second. We'll pay, we'll pay, we'll go into debt up to our ears for a four-wheeler, but we won't spend a thousand dollars to send you, it's not a thousand, it's only a hundred and eighty. Tonight. What are you saying? I'm saying it's worth every dollar. And we have these, alright? And Crystal, if you would just stand out there and just, Crystal's gonna be going, my daughter's going, even if it's just Crystal and my daughter, we're, we're, you're going. And there's some others that are going, but I'm telling you, God is going to come to that camp. I, I just got a word from the Lord. If you can send your kids, send them. Now, keep in mind that if you want to do something for you, you certainly get it done. It's a matter of priorities. God has given us promises to become and impact nations. And we have to direct our children in that. So this is just an opportunity to do that. Now, as we move into the fall, we're going to start up. You know, you got, you got summer, and it's hard to start things in summer. But we'll have we'll have some children's classes starting again, and growing kids God's way, and we'll do a bunch of different things. All right, there's a, come tell us about it, babe, and then we're going to close. Did you get something from God? Did you, Crystal? Come tell us about this bolathon thing. So this is an opportunity for them to raise money to go to camp. Oh my gosh, if it wasn't enough, you don't have to sell your car or anything. Listen, listen to this. Alright, so on June 19th, we're gonna go to North Bowl. The kids are gonna meet, and what they're gonna be having is little sign-up sheets. So every pin that they knock down, uh, they're gonna go and ask people, you know, I'll give you a dollar for every pin that you knock down. So they're gonna play two games, so if they do 50 in one, game and 40 in the next game they got $90 for that time so that's half their pay going to kids camp so praise God this is just an opportunity for people to come out have a good time have fun raise money for kids camp and uh, to see people's life change my life was changed I went to kids camp I went to camp from the age of 8 to 18 and uh, God changed my life every year and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and on fire for God, call into the ministry, everything. So God can can change a kid's life. So if there's any of you that would like to do that, don't donate to any kid. You know, feel free. Uh, so if you want to participate in that bolathon, Crystal, you would just be out there to talk to different ones. All right. Now uh, let me say also, some of you have more than enough, and God has blessed you. If you want to sponsor a child, we'll do that, and we'll and we'll help needy kids that that have families that are having a hard time. Come on, lots of nations, lots of families are having a challenging time in our country now. And if you need help, then we'll help you. Don't use it as a cop-out. Don't get a welfare mentality. Come on. Don't try to get the handout and not do the bolathon. Hello? Hello? All right.
Come on, smile at me. We're going to change the world. And these promises that God has given us are multi-generational. And as we direct our children, the promise will be brought into the next generation. Amen. Stand up with me, won't you? Oh, I know I kind of let it go. went a little bit long again, a long-winded today. But I truly hope that you would train your children and you pass this message on to others. Amen. Don't just think, be in la-la land and think your kids are going to raise themselves and everything will be end up all right. You've got to give them consequences. You have to love them. You have to give them affection. You have to train them. All right? You've got to pray for them. You've got to be in agreement. All of these things. Amen? Father, we thank You for what You've done tonight. Lord, for those that are online, God, I pray, let the grace of God come upon us as families. Karen, would you come with the children too? Would you just come? Let the grace of God come on us as families, Lord. We're a church made up of families. We thank You for the opportunity, Lord, to see your, Your plan and Your purpose brought about in our lives through our kids. We pray a blessing over the children of this house and the children that are to come that You would use them, God, to to change nations, to impact the nations, to become great and strong in You. I break off any kind of curse that would want to come to try to reside on families. Barrenness included, go. I pray Your favor, Your blessing, God, to be upon them. Help us to train to instruct our children in love. Help us not to exasperate them. To be angry. Try to manipulate them with anger. Lord, bless each and every family here and those that are listening, those that will listen later, those that will hear this message even through those sharing. We thank and praise you. Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, all the little kids as well. If you're not right with God, in other words, if you don't know Jesus and you never asked Him into your life, you need to ask Jesus into your life tonight. You need to receive Him tonight. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Jesus to come in to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, every man, every woman, every child, if that's you, those online, want to give your heart to Jesus, just slip your hand up right now. God bless you. Let's just affirm our faith. I see your hand, sweetheart. Let's just pray right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Take someone by the hand. I hope you got something tonight. So thankful you turned out. God is for us. Who can be against us? Amen. Lord, thank you for families. Thank you for what you've done. God, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.